let's go ahead and begin, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So this section is called On the Path to Happiness. Um, as I mentioned, uh, in this section, it's going to be a total of six sessions total. So we have one in the morning, one in the evening. Today's evening, the final day is the morning. So it's a total of six sessions. And they go by pretty quickly. I mean, I think it'll be 30 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes for Q&A. Um, and again, this topic, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he sort of talks about the believer's relationship with Allah Ta'ala and how we approach things. So, so let's begin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I'll read the translation. There's portions where I'll include the Arabic, just because I think it makes a little bit more sense. Um, but he says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. There is neither strength nor power save in Allah Almighty. It is Allah we implore and whose answer we await to watch over you in this world and the next, to shower you with his grace outwardly and inwardly, and to inwardly, and to make you among those who, when blessed, give thanks, when tested and tried, persevere, and when sinful, seek forgiveness. For these three conditions are tokens of the servant's happiness, sa'adatul abd and the signs of his success in this world and the next. No servant is without them, but is always shifting from one to the other. So he starts by mentioning here, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he says, he basically highlights the three states that every single believer is in at any given point in time. He says, He says, that every single believer, if you look at your own life and you evaluate, you'll find that we're in one of these three states. We're feeling blessed by Allah Ta'ala and our response is to give thanks. We're feeling tested by Allah Ta'ala and our response is to persevere and to, 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 um, to persevere through difficulty. And the third is when we're sinful that we seek forgiveness. And he says, for these three conditions are tokens of the servant's happiness. Sa'adatul abd. Meaning, if I want to know, and, and the meaning of happiness here is not meaning of happiness that we think of today. Happiness is an emotion. In English terminology, it's an emotion. It's, I can, it's, or it's an expression of an emotion. I'm feeling happy. I'm displaying happiness. But true sa'ada, uh, or sa'ada to the abd in particular, is the type of happiness that comes from true lasting contentment. And that's different. And what Imam Ibn Qayyim is mentioning here is that it's possible to be happy it's, 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 it's possible to be happy in every single state that we find ourselves in. It's possible to attain sa'ada. What does it require? That means that if when I'm feeling blessed, shakara, I give thanks. And when I'm feeling tested, I persevere. And when I am sinful, I do istighfar. The three states that I'll find myself in, if I uh, respond in these three ways each time in every single situation and circumstance, I'll find happiness. And that's the challenge for us, right? Is that, it's to, it's to recognize that we're always going to fall within one of these three states. And it's, the, the lesson is that it's, um, we're always going to be in one of these three. The state doesn't determine our true happiness. It's our reaction to the state that's going to determine our happiness. It's our reaction to the state that determines happiness. You know, it's interesting. There was a study that was done um, many years ago. This is coming to mind now, where they took, just to show how quickly the quote-unquote artificial happiness of this world dissipates, they, they surveyed people who won the lottery, and they surveyed people who became paraplegics or quadriplegics, right? And they did a survey of happiness of both of these, and they measured their, their happiness scores. And they found that initially, at the onset, the people that won the lottery were happier, and the people that had an injury that caused them to become a paraplegic or a quadriplegic, they're paralyzed, uh, they were not as happy. And they followed them out for about one year. 
And a year later, they did, again, same happiness measures, both were the same. Someone who wins the lottery, millions of dollars, and someone who loses the ability to function with their limbs, ultimately, in a, a year later, they're both uh, as happy as the other. Explain that. Because those things that we think bring happiness are not true happiness. That's just a temporary measure of happiness. That's something, that's a temporary emotion we experience. But true, lasting happiness, sa'ada, according to our deen, is not a manifestation or an expression of how we're feeling at this moment, but it is a, it is a manifestation of how we react to the moment that's before us. So, if I'm trying to achieve true happiness in this world, I have to evaluate myself. When Allah Ta'ala gives me something, is my response shukr, because that will yield true contentment. If I commit a mistake, do I do istighfar? Because that will yield true contentment. Number three is if Allah Ta'ala tests me, how do I respond to that test? And, and, and if that response is appropriate, that results in, in sa'adah. So he says, no servant is without them, but is always shifting from one to the other. We will always find ourselves in one of these three states. Then he continues. The first condition, he's going to go over these three uh, conditions. The first condition is the blessings which come to the servant from Allah Ta'ala Most High, one after the other. Now he's talking about the first state. When a person is being blessed by Allah, things are going well, opportunities are coming their way, there's no major trial or tribulation they're experiencing. Sometimes we've experienced this, we're like, wow, subhanAllah, I can't believe everything is going so perfectly for me right now. Right? Everything's perfect, my kids are healthy, my work situation's perfect, my finances are lined up, my parents are, are, you know, are, are this way or that way. Um, what should my response be when I'm in this particular state or condition, he says? What secures them, what secures them is gratitude or shukr based on three supports. So now he says, this is how a person expresses gratitude when they're in the state of um, feeling blessed. Allahu alayhi shakara. Number one, it requires inward recognition of the blessing. Right? Number two, outward mention and thanks for it. And number three, its use in a way that pleases, pleases the one to whom it truly belongs to and truly, who truly bestows it. So now he's saying, Imam Ghazali, Imam Ghazali, I'm so used to cover Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah. Ibn al-Qayyim is saying here that, okay, now I feel, my, I have one of three conditions I can find myself in, right? Now, currently, I'm in the condition where everything is working the way I would have imagined it to work. Thank you. So my response is not going to be shukr. So what are the three stages of shukr that I express to my Lord in order to attain that sa'adah that I'm looking for? Number one, he says, inward recognition of the blessing. Recognizing that this is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is not for everyone. Not everyone's getting this right now. This is special. It's special for me. Allah Ta'ala is specifically doing this for me. And there's no one or no being that can provide this blessing except Allah. I have to have this inward recognition of it. The second is that I have to have an outward mention and thanks for it. You know, in, in, in the science of gratitude, in psychology, they call it affirmation and expression. Affirmation is recognizing that what I have is indeed a, a, a blessing. And then number two is to then express it. It's not just recognizing it and say, great, but actually expressing gratitude. So for the believer, he, says, he adds a third step. But the first step, recognizing. Number two is expressing shukr. Thank you, Ya Allah. Thank you, Ya Allah. And then the third is, he says, um, acting... Uh, um, 
the, uh, he doesn't, oh yeah, and number three, whoops, okay. Number three is its use in a way that pleases the one to whom it truly belongs. So no, Allah Ta'ala gives me a blessing and now I use that blessing in a way that's pleasing to him rather than some other way. I'll give you a simple example for these three phases. Someone gives you a, a new shirt, right? A, a new shirt, they give it to you. Now, what is my reaction to that? A human being gives me a shirt, a friend, a neighbor. The first is affirmation, recognizing, well, this is a blessing. Thank you for this gift. I, I was not deserving of this. There was no responsibility you had over me. Now I get it. I recognize it from the inside, right? That's my affirmation. The second is expression, telling that person, thank you for this. And then the third, which is the pinnacle of expressing gratitude, is to actually now wear that shirt in front of that person so they see that I actually value it. And if I take that shirt and I make it my new doormat, and the next time my friend who gives it to me comes and sees that that shirt is lying there, imagine what he or she is going to think. Oh, this is the value that you've given. Or even worse, right? Uh, you gift it to someone else. And then that friend sees that, well, this is the same exact shirt because there's only three available in the country. And now, now you see. So, so uh, you know, that's, that's misuse of the, uh, I mean, obviously, when we're talking about Allah, it's a different story. But just highlighting the principle, right? That when you, you know, you give someone a gift and when you see they're using that gift, you give someone an iPad, you give someone a, a shirt, you give someone anything, and you find that they're using it, it really makes you feel appreciative. On, uh, it, it really makes you happy on the inside. So when it comes to Allah Ta'ala, it's the same way. Now, let me give you one example of a blessing from Allah Ta'ala that applies. The blessing of time. Right? The blessing of time. This is absolutely a blessing. You know, go to any... And the first step, it requires affirmation. And we don't do this enough. To recognize that I am... No one else could give me time. No human being, no CEO, no president, no individual has the ability to give me time. Time is only given to me by Allah and Allah alone. That's incredible. That's incredible. No one can give me time, right? I mean, and, 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 and then you could think, well, is it that big of a blessing? Go to any graveyard and try to, if, you, if we had the ability to speak with any person that is lying in their grave right now, Muslim, and ask them, what's the one thing you would like to have back? Every single person would say, I wish I had more time. This is from Hadith. Everyone would say, I wish I had more time. The one blessing that every single person in their grave and everyone who's passed away would like to have, we have at the present moment. So isn't that an incredible blessing of Allah? So I have to acknowledge it on the inside and recognize I couldn't get this from anywhere else. I wasn't deserving of this. SubhanAllah. Now I have to express my gratitude to Allah. Thank you verbally to Allah. Thank you for giving me time in the form of uh, dua in the form of statements, in the form of, of uh, expression. And then the highest right, expression of shukr to Allah is going to be, how is it that I'm going to use that time? If I choose to use that time in disobedience of Allah, or just heedlessness of Allah, that's waste. I'm no longer using time the way, it was, uh, the way Allah would appreciate, me, appreciate that I use it. So, that is the, so, so um, that's ingratitude. That's ingratitude. Then he says, acting thus, the servant shows his gratitude for the blessing, however brief. The second, is the trials from God most high? Oh, okay, now it is. From Allah most high, which tests the servant. So condition one is, I'm feeling blessed. What's my response? 
to attain uh, to max to use that and attain long-term happiness. Just to highlight, I do, uh, contentment and saada doesn't come from just receiving blessings. It comes from my reaction to the blessing, which is going to be shukr. The second condition a human being may find themselves in is trials from Allah Most High, which test the servant, whose duty therein is patience, sabr, and forbearance, to restrain himself or herself from anger with what is decreed, to restrain his tongue from complaint, to restrain his limbs from offenses, such as striking one's face in grief, rending one's clothes, tearing one's hair, and like acts. Patience then rests on these three supports, and if the servant maintains them as he should, affliction will. Oh, yeah. Affliction will become benefaction. Trial will change to bounty, and what he disliked will become what he loves. For God, exalted and sublime, does not try the servant in order to destroy him. Rather, he tries him to put his patience and devotion to the test. Okay? So, really important for us to understand this. And we, for those of you that were here in the last retreat, or maybe you heard the recordings, the entire retreat was focused on trials and tribulations. So, I'm just going to, you know, mention a couple of points that he's mentioning here, uh, just to remind ourselves. Number, our responsibility when we're tested is, 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 is twofold. Number one is restraint. Number one, restraint from the decree of Allah. When Allah's decreed it, no, restraint from expressing anger when it comes to the decree of Allah. It's one thing to feel unsettled when some difficulty comes our way. I lose my job. It's a normal reaction to feel unsettled. But to, then to, ask the, to, to think or become angry, because he mentions anger as number one, to then become angry about the situation to the point where I'm now verbally complaining about this, and number two, I'm, you know, punching the wall or I'm tearing apart my clothes. I mean, this was, used to happen at one day. These things are all considered unacceptable or, or, or an inappropriate response. He says, rather, uh, if a person exhibits patience and sabr through any trial or difficulty, affliction will become benefaction. Meaning that when Allah Ta'ala tries us and tests us, as difficult as it may be, it's very likely that this is an opportunity Allah Ta'ala is trying to give us for true happiness and for true contentment. And it's important to understand this, you know. Um, we, we talked about this last time, you know, the benefits of a difficulty that Allah gives us, right? Number one is that, one reason that ulama mentioned in hadith is that it, Allah Ta'ala sends it our way so that it rectifies our souls. Because any time a believer undergoes even any difficulty, even the prick of a thorn, their sins fall from their body. So isn't it a blessing when Allah Ta'ala sends a trial our way? Because it, either I have to try to remove that sin, or that trial does it for me, and I don't have to do anything but just be patient through it. <clears throat> Number two, it comes in hadith that, um, that the Prophet said that, when Allah, that, that, that a reason that Allah Ta'ala sends trial our way is because he wishes to hasten our entry into Jannah. Because if um, I experience a trial in this world, I'm saved from a trial in the Akhirah. Which means that I get to enter Jannah quicker. The wording of the hadith is to hasten the believer's entry into Jannah. So isn't that a blessing? Right? Uh, the th a third reason is because a trial and difficulty elevates us in our rank with Allah Ta'ala. And sometimes we ask for this. 
You know, we make dua that, Oh Allah, draw me, bring me, make me closer to you. Oh, oh Allah, elevate me in my daraja, in my, in my relationship with you. Or, Oh Allah, grant me jannah bi ghayri hisab. These are very high lofty maqams that we're trying to achieve. We're seeking these things. So, um, either I now have to strive for it by exerting myself and praying qiyam and doing A, B, and C and refraining from sin, all these steps that are very difficult to do otherwise. Or Allah Ta'ala sends one difficulty our way and the ascension that occurs of a believer from perseverance through difficulty is far quicker than through worship. That's well established. So that not that a blessing? Right? So, I mean, in every situation and circumstance, uh, when it comes to a trial or tribulation, uh, it's for our own benefit. So he says, For the servant owes devotion to Allah in affliction as in ease. He must have as much devotion in what he hates as, as, uh, as in what he loves. So he says, um, you know, uh, so what he's saying here is, um, we, uh, when we're talking about devotion to Allah Ta'ala, um, or asking from Allah or seeking from Allah, it's easier for us to do so in things that we want. So for instance, I lose my job, I now want a new job, and I want it because I want, it to, reserve this, I want to resolve this difficulty from my life. Um, but true devotion is to worship Allah Ta'ala because He is Allah, not because I want something in return. Um, so He says, rather, He, um, for the servant owes devotion to Allah and affliction as an ease. He must have as much devotion in what he hates as in what he loves. And while most people offer devotion to what they love, it is important to do so in the things they hate. It is by this that the servants' ranks are distinguished and their stations are determined. You know, um, someone has a sick child. We make dua, the, oh Allah, cure my child, cure my child, cure my child. And we're doing so, yes, because we're relying on Allah and we're devoted to Allah. But we're also doing so because of maybe a potential benefit that we're going to get out of it as well. Um, and what he's highlighting here is that it's important for us to recognize that we worship Allah Ta'ala because He is Allah. And we worship Allah Ta'ala independent of a circumstance or situation we find ourselves in. Just because things are going well for me doesn't mean that I now have to pray. Or just because things are going difficult for me, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that now I have to worship Allah. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said such a beautiful hadith. I've mentioned it before. That the first person that will be called toward Jannah on the Day of Judgment. Think about this for a moment. The first person, or the first group of people, but the wording is The first person that will be called toward Jannah on the Day of Judgment. Is that person that praises Allah both in difficulty and in ease. Meaning, that the praise of Allah is independent of where I find myself. Sometimes I worship Allah because I'm going through difficulty, that's when I wake up for tahajjud. But when things are going well, there's no way I'm waking up for tahajjud and calling on Allah. Right? But, uh, uh, I praise Allah both in difficulty and in ease, meaning independent of my state, I'm going to uh, be praising my Allah. Because that's what matters most. Allah is what matters. Right? Allah ultimately is who is to be worshipped. So no matter what state I find myself in, if I'm that kind of a believer, the Prophet ﷺ said that I'm the first one that will be called toward Jannah. He continues. Um, he who is Allah's servant in both states, he's talking about 
um, uh, here, uh, a lot in both states, meaning uh, that uh, I'm feeling blessed. Or state number two, which was? What's state number two? Trial. We're being trialed. And we're going to talk about uh, when I'm sinning later. So number two, which is trial. He says, who, He who is Allah's servant in both states, maintaining his duty in both comfort and in adversity, meaning that whether Allah is trying me or whether Allah is blessing me outwardly, I'm going to maintain my duty to Allah Ta'ala in both states, is the one to whom his words refer. Allah's words refer, is not Allah sufficient for his servant? So he's saying, when Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ عَبْدَهِ That isn't it sufficient, isn't Allah Ta'ala sufficient for his servant? What more are you and I looking for is what he's saying. What more are we looking for except that we have an Allah? What more is it that we're looking for and that we're seeking? Right? And so, the, the, you know, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ عَبْدَهِ Number one, that, um, the, the lesson, number one, we don't worship Allah because good things will come our way if we do. We worship Allah because He is Allah. We worship Allah because He is Allah. And if Allah chooses to trial, trial us and to cause tribulations to go through our entire life, then so be it. He is Allah and He's deserving of my worship, praise, and my intention, attention regardless. And if Allah Ta'ala chooses to give me a comfortable life that's, which, you know, with full of blessing, and, and, and everyone goes through difficulty, but just to say, hypothetically, if Allah Ta'ala were to give me that kind of life, He's still worthy of being worshipped because ultimately He is Allah. It's not dependent on where I find myself, is the lesson. It, uh, the worship of Allah, the praise of Allah is independent of where I find myself in any particular circumstance. So He continues. With complete devotion comes complete sufficiency. With less uh, comes what is less. Let him, let him who discerns some good give praise to Allah. But let whoever finds something other than this blame, l- other than this, blame no one but himself. Right. So just, let's just summarize. You know what he's talking about here. Ibn Qayyim Allah is mentioning. That when we're talking about sa'adatul abd and the happiness of a believer, uh, he starts off by highlighting that we find ourselves in one of three states. We're either going to find ourselves when we're blessed. And if we want to achieve true contentment from a situation of blessing, it's not to indulge fully in that blessing, but it's to do shukr of that blessing. The second state that we may find ourselves in is through some difficulty or some trial or tribulation. And it's essential that when Allah Ta'ala puts us through some test or difficulty, and believe, believe me, I mean, everyone who has experience with life knows that life is not without tests. You know, it's, just, it's incredible sometimes uh, to see the difficulties that people go through. It's, it's just unbelievable. You know, the other, I, I was just um, in the hospital last week, um, and an 18-year-old girl 18-year-old girl who's otherwise completely healthy, ready to start school in a week, university, very excited, uh, you know, is, is, is playing a pickleball, suddenly becomes aphasic, can't speak. And everyone thinks, not a big deal. Then a few hours, find out that she had a significant stroke. She's 18, completely healthy. People, people 18 years old shouldn't have stroke, right? You know, it's, it's just in one week, I mean, there's a lot of physicians in, in, in the gathering. In one week of rounding in a hospital, just to give you my own example, right, I'm, I'm, as a neurologist, in one week in rounding in a hospital, diagnosed, you know, multiple brain tumors of people who are completely healthy, 
40-year-olds with metastatic cancer to the brain, you know, glioblastomas, which are essentially the most aggressive form of tumor in patients, you know, 50 or 60 years old, completely unexpected. You know, these bizarre inflammatory conditions, and it's not just in neurology, it's any other field, and you're just wondering, how does this stuff happen to people? It does. It's Allah's will, right? Every single human being is going to be trialed, whether it's medical, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's psychological, every single person is going to be tested and tried. And our responsibility is to respond appropriately to that trial, through sabr and through shukr, because when a believer responds through that to, uh, to that test properly, inevitably their rank will increase. Whether it be through their sins you know, falling off of them, or whether it be through their maqam being elevated, or whether it be through an earlier entry into Jannah. So our happiness when it comes to a trial and tribulation is dependent on our reaction and our response to it. And what Ibn Qayyim is saying is that our reaction to trial and tribulation should be the same reaction we have when we're not being tried and tested. Meaning, we should praise Allah Ta'ala in both states. And it, it, we should praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in both states. Um, and then he concludes by reminding us that فَسَيَكْفِيكَهُمُ um, Allah. Uh, the reality is Allah ta'ala is everything and we are nothing. And sometimes we think that we have the authority to, to tell Allah how we should live our life. I, shouldn't, I should have this kind of a job. I should be earning this much money. I shouldn't have a child who's ex, ex, you know, ex, experiencing this sickness or illness. I shouldn't have um, A, B, and C. But we don't dictate our life, Allah does. And, and, and it's important to, for us to understand that sort of difference between us and Allah, because with it comes ex- incredible contentment and peace in our life. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to uh, appreciate the, um, uh, the, the wisdom and the words of, it, of, 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 uh, of, uh, of our ulama. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who when we are blessed that we give thanks and we um, express that thanks through our tongue and through our limbs and when we are tested that we be patient and that we um, uh, and that we use that test as an opportunity for us to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subhanallah bihamdi subhanakallahu wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiraka wa atubu ilaykum okay um, this is the question um, why are we taught then to not ask for tests when they are a means of gaining nearness to Allah ta'ala um, it's a great question we talked about this in detail last year and um, it's a really important question because uh, common sense would tell us, well, if tests and trials are an opportunity for me to really quickly develop myself in my relationship with Allah, then why shouldn't I just ask Allah for it? And the reason is because we are weak servants of Allah. And while, uh, you know, I think... Um, um, you know, my, my, my teacher says it really well. He says... Okay, let's just, let's just, because we are such weak servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't know if a trial or test comes our way, are we going to pass it or not? That's the challenge. So for instance, if Allah ta'ala, look, the, the reality of the majority of the world, when they're receiving a test, uh, they're failing, right? And we sometimes fail. So when, it, for instance, a, a person undergoes an extreme difficulty like the loss of a loved one that they're really close to, for most people, that's not taking them closer to Allah. It's distancing them from Allah. In fact, they begin to question the existence of God at that point. Someone loses their job that they were never experiencing. For most people, their response is going to be, why, why did this happen to me? If, there, if God really cared about me, if Allah really cared about me, billah, then he wouldn't have tested me in this way. So the reaction of most people, including Muslims, is going to be a negative reaction because that's just the reality of the weakness of a human being. 
So we don't want to put ourselves in a vulnerable situation where we are challenged. Because there's a, there is a possibility that we will um, fail that test. So the, the simpler, and, and, and we also don't because the Prophet ﷺ didn't advise us to do so either because we just don't have the ability to put ourselves in that situation. Now, then if Allah Ta'ala trials and tests us, and then we have the appropriate reaction and response, then we get more than we would have gotten without that test. That's for certain. So you can almost think about it as if the consolation prize is going to be better, but we're never going to actually ask for it. Because we can't trust ourselves when it comes to tests. We can't trust ourselves, so we're not going to ask for it. You know, it's a mark of our own... Look, there's something import, really important that every single person expresses their helplessness with Allah. You know, and if I'm telling Allah, oh Allah, bring it on, that's me showing Allah that I have something in me to be able to, 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 make, to make a move. When my attitude with Allah is, Allah, I'm so weak... I cannot even handle any test you give me. Please protect me and give me the easiest way to Jannah. Don't give me the hardest way to Jannah. Don't give me the harder way. That's just the attitude that a believer should have when it, with, in their relationship with Allah. Okay. Um, for the second condition of, of shukr, uh, it was the outward mention of the blessing and to give thanks. Is the blessing mentioned only to Allah? Should we, should we be careful with sharing it with people? So the question of, uh, out, uh, the, he mentions, Ibn Qayyim mentions that when it comes to shukr, there is um, uh, affirmation and then expression and then manifestation. So affirmation inside myself. That's just me, myself, not even with Allah necessarily. That's just me, myself, recognizing that what Allah has given me is a blessing, and that's the first battle or challenge that we face. The second is then expressing that appreciation, and that is between myself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in particular. Now, there are certain times and opportunities where we should be uh, sending, uh, we should be sharing certain blessings with certain people and the family and things like that. But when, when it's talking about expression, this is directly to Allah. No, no one else needs to know that. That's between me and Allah. Uh, there's a question about seeking forgiveness in tawbah and istighfar, but we're going to cover that later. Um, how do I make shukr sabr when I am actually in the situation? One usually forgets when in happiness or in a trial. Okay, so the first is to actually have a routine of doing shukr to Allah Ta'ala. And I, you know, this is from the sunnah. There's a beautiful hadith of the Prophet that says, uh, and we're, actually it's part of the morning athkar sheet, where the Prophet said, the, talked about the benefits of reciting رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيَّا It's a dua that we recite, or it's not really a dua, but it's, an, it's a statement that we recite. And we know from hadith the many benefits of this. And we're going to talk about this tomorrow, uh, inshallah. So the Prophet said, whoever recites this, for instance, Allah Ta'ala will not be, if and the meaning of which is, I am pleased with Allah as my Lord, Islam as my deen, and the Prophet as my Messenger. And I recite this three times in the morning and three times in the evening from hadith. So we should make it a habitual practice of ourselves. And when we first wake up in the morning and we go to bed at night, that we recite this dua. There's other du'as as well that specifically talk about, uh, that reflect upon shukr. So when we wake up in the morning, the du'a we're taught is, Alhamdulillahilladhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhi nushur. Which is basically saying, all praises to Allah, the one who woke me up after I died. Right? So no matter what difficulty I'm going through or trial I'm going through, right? Ultimately, what a blessing it was that Allah Ta'ala gave me another morning. So the du'a is not just something we utter from our tongue, it's a reflection we have on our heart. So, to answer the question, there's a lot of questions, so that's why I'm trying to um, uh, be brief here. 
um, how do I express shukr when I'm in an, a situation and I forget? It's to have a routine of expressing shukr every morning and every evening. And you don't have to look farther from the du'as, from the sunnah, where the Prophet tells us how do we express our praise and shukr both morning and evening, and that takes care of it for us. Um, okay, so... Okay, a servant who makes tawbah should be in a state of regret. Is happiness expected after a sincere tawbah? Great question. Yes, absolutely. After we do a sincere tawbah, and it's a meaning our nadama, our sadness, our sorrow, our true regret has been felt, communicated, expressed before Allah Ta'ala, and now that tawbah has occurred, we should rejoice because we have an Allah Ta'ala that is so merciful. So our rejoicing is not in, haha, look what I just did and got away with. My rejoicing is in, subhanAllah, that I can continue to sin and I can continue to make a mistake, but I have this Lord, Allah, who's ready to accept me at any point in time. What an amazing, incredible Lord it is. I'm so thrilled and so happy that I have him. And I'm so thrilled and I'm so happy that, uh, that he's kept me. Because people that fall into sin, most people aren't doing tawbah. They aren't doing tawbah, they're falling into sin, they're, they're perpetuating in that sin, and eventually they're losing their iman. And this is happening irregularly. So the fact that Allah chose me from amongst those who are sinning, and said, you are going to be the one who has a tawfiq to repent to me, that is an opportunity to rejoice. This is why the Prophet, this is why the ulama mentioned that after Arafah, when, when a person goes to Arafah, which is what? It's a tawbah. When I go to Arafah for Hajj, it's essentially my turning to Allah and saying, Oh Allah, I messed up my whole life. Not one sin or two sins or perpetual sin. I messed up my whole life. And now my tawbah is me spending money, traveling, sacrificing, showing up in the plain of Arafah. And after the plain of Arafah, what's my expression supposed to be? Am I supposed to continue to cry? I'm supposed to celebrate that Allah Ta'ala accepted me. And He let me do tawbah to Him in the most beautiful way. So this applies to the major tawbahs of hajj, the major tawbahs that occur in Ramadan. This should apply even for the daily tawbahs that we do with Allah Ta'ala. Regarding trials, what if the nature of the trial has some anger connected to it due to the nature of the trial? Does that become going against being in shukr, sabr, and perseverance? This is a, there's a long answer to this question. Whoever wrote this question can ask me directly. But this we had covered. If, if the question is about, is it acceptable for me to have internal emotions that are maybe unbecoming based off of my aqidah? Meaning, if for instance, I have a child who passes away and I feel extreme sadness and maybe even some anger about a situation on the inside, but I never uh, express that anger or ever question it, is it acceptable? Generally speaking, yes, because we don't have full control over our emotions sometimes. It's normal to feel a certain way. But this was covered extensively. This exact question was probably two or th like two sessions last retreat. The recordings are on the website, so I would encourage you to listen to it, inshallah, and you'll get the full answer, or you can ask me directly.